Welcome back, everyone, to the Keys Weekly Sports Wrap with Coach McDonald, the only place to get your Florida Keys prep sports news and history. You can find this podcast every Thursday at keysweekly.com. Please share and like this podcast. You can find me on Facebook at Florida Keys and Key West High School Sports History. You can also listen to this podcast on the radio, AM, WKWF, 1600. 8 a.m. on Saturdays, WKWF FM 103.3 FM, 8 a.m. on Saturdays. Thanks for tuning in, guys. I really appreciate it. I hope you guys had a great week in the Florida Keys and, and beyond. I know we have people listening all over the place. If you guys have any kind of questions or any kind of suggestions for the show, you can email me at sports at keysweekly.com. We're going to open up the podcast today talking about the Keys Weekly Newspaper. Now, the Keys Weekly Newspaper is sort of our sister publication. This is the podcast for the Keys Weekly Sports Wrap, which is going to cover all of the Monroe County prep sports that you have going on. We're going to talk about everything. And the Keys Weekly is the print edition, and my wife, Tracy McDonald, does the writing over there. So I want you guys to check out your newspaper. This podcast comes out on Thursday. Your newspaper should be at your house today. And go check out the sports page because we are going to be honoring the all-keys volleyball team today. So what uh, the editorial staff decided to do was come up with an all-star team from Monroe County for girls volleyball. So if you check out the print edition, you're going to see that. I'm not going to tell you on this podcast who they are. You're going to have to go over and look at the print edition. But congratulations to all of them. And congratulations to the uh, three high schools this year in completing their volleyball season. Everybody had a very successful volleyball season. Um, Key West went 11-11, and reaching the FHSAA District 16-4A semifinals in one of the most talented districts in the state. Marathon's record was 2-17 and on the season. Uh, the District 16-3A run ended in round one against neighboring Coral Shores. Coral Shores went on to play in the District 3A finals, um, losing, uh, getting runner-up in that. Like Key West, Coral Shores had an even record, finishing the season at 8-8. Eight eight. All three teams fielded talented athletes, with the top 12 selected to the Keys Weekly All-Keys 2022 volleyball team. So... If you want to check out that volleyball team, it's going to be in the print edition. So go and check that out. Um, next sport that we have going on is soccer. So we got boys and girls soccer going on. Uh, 2023, it's the new year. So it's actually, if you guys remember, soccer season is going to start to end sort of at the beginning of January. And then we're going to go to spring sports. So baseball, track, softball. But right now it's soccer. Now, as far as the teams are going, um, district playoff action begins January 25th. All of the six teams, three boys, three girls, are all working hard to solidify their placements. And unlike in years past where, oh, you're gonna, we're going to have a district tournament and you're the first seed, you're the second seed, you're the third seed, a lot of the, the seeding now uh, sort of goes to the max preps power ranking. So if you go to like max preps website, it's a website that has all of the high school athletic teams in the country, basically there. And you have to go there and report your wins and losses. And they have these complex mathematical formulas that are going to devise what your ranking is in the state, in the district, 
within the county, within the world, within the whole United States. I mean, they have numbers for everything. But when it comes time for the district tournament, they use those power rankings to decide where you're going to be. Now, Key West girls last week, they had two road trips in a row with two different outcomes. On uh, January 6th, they lost five to nothing against the South Florida Heat. Now, as far as marathon goes, marathon, they traveled to Westwood Christian on January 5th, and they beat the Warriors three to nothing. Rain Banks, Sarah Strama, and Hannah Davis each scored one goal. The following night, Coral Shores put a damper on marathon senior night, handing them a six to two loss. Now, Coral Shores... They made the most of their single game last week. They defeated Marathon, big rivalry game, 6-2 at Marathon. As far as the boys go, um, Marathon on the 4th, they were able to win their game 9-1. Marathon High School on the 4th, they also lost to Miami Country Day. So... Big day for them. Um, Coral Shores play January 4th at Gulliver, losing 8 to nothing. They face Key West January 17th at home. So soccer is getting ready to sort of make that postseason run. So hopefully some of our, our soccer teams, boys and girls, have a nice postseason run and complete that. And then we're going to move into spring sports. Now, traditionally, another incredibly strong sport at Marathon, I'm sorry, at Key West High School, is wrestling. I could remember when Troy Bow started the program, 99 maybe, 98, really, really not that long time ago, not a long time ago when you talk about in terms of Key West High School. So the wrestling program started, almost had instant success, and that success has continued under head coach um, Chaz Jimenez. The Key West High School Conk wrestling team captured the 1A District Dual Championship last weekend. Despite missing um, three starters, they managed to win the District 16 FHSAA 1A District Dual Championship handily. The win advances the Kongs to the Region 4 1A duels on January 12th, which will likely be held in Key West. So, you know, they had a big wrestling tournament for the districts, and Key West was able to win another district crown. And there's a number of wrestlers that will be moving on. Congratulations, 106 pounds, Skylar Fossage. Um, at 113 pounds, pounds, Prometheus DeClara of Key West came in fifth place. Um, first place at 132, Dosk Mukmohamed Batinov of Key West was in first place. Seventh place in 113, James Searcy. Eighth place, Jacob Clark of Coral Shores. Uh, 126 pounds, sixth place, Abram Kane. 120 pounds, fourth place, Lazaro Diaz. Seventh place, Sebastian McCoy of Coral Shores. And 145 pounds, you have Alfredo Corrales of Key West gets second place. He moves on at 152. Third place, Justin Tran of Key West moves. Moves on. Fourth place, Roman Savalos of Key West. And seventh place in 152, Jaden Angel of Coral Shores. At 160 pounds, you have fifth place, Morgan Sukyon of Key West. And in eighth place, Ray Shuden of Coral Shores. At 170 pounds, fourth place, Elijah Miranda of Key West. In 12th place, Alexander Marcotte of Key West. At 182 pounds, third place, Jaden Fox of Key West. At 195 pounds, fourth place, Weston Andrews of Key West. At 220 pounds, first place, Ralph Ritchie of Key West. 
Fourth place at 220, Tristan Yokohama of Key West. And in fifth place, Jack Hill of Coral Shores. And last week's guest, uh, Andre Otto at 285 pounds was third place in his district. So he'll move on too. So congratulations to the wrestlers at Coral Shores and Key West High School that are moving on. Marathon does not have a wrestling team. And uh, good luck to everybody moving forward, I think that there's a couple guys there that have a really good chance for moving on. I obviously Andre Otto talked about it last week and I think Ralph Ritchie at 220 pounds, he was wrestling heavyweight for most of the year and now he's at 220. He's going to be a force to be reckoned with there uh, as far as states go and good luck to QS High School Coral Shores bring home another state championship in wrestling. So some other results what we have is with basketball um, let's take a look at this marathon boys basketball last week, lost to Palmer 60 to 29, um, Coral Shores boys basketball was at Oxbridge Academy on the fifth. They were able to get a win with one point 54 53. We're going to have to check in with coach Mandozi about that one. Big win. You know, Oxbridge Academy is a, is a big time school over there in Palm beach. They have a lot of great athletes. That's a big win for Coral Shores. Um, Marathon Boys Basketball was at Boca Raton on the 6th, and they they dropped that game. Um, Key West, let's see. Actually, Coral Shores Girls Basketball lost to Marathon 46-36 on the 6th of January. Um, Key West Boys Basketball played Boca Raton on the 7th. We haven't come back with that one yet. And um, let's see. Key West Girls Soccer was at South Florida Heat. They lost 0-5. And uh, those are a lot of the results coming up next week. Let's see. Starting on the 19th. On the 19th, Coral Shores is, girls soccer is at LaSalle. Uh, Marathon boys basketball is home at Poznak. Marathon girls soccer is at Slam on the 19th still. On the 19th, Marathon boys soccer at Booker T. Washington. And then on the 20th, Key West High School boys soccer is at home against Coral Shores at 4 p.m. Check that one out. Key West, girls and boys basketball will be playing marathon um, on 1-20th at 5.30 and 7 p.m. Um, it will be in Key West. Coral Shores, boys basketball, Everglades Prep, 6.30 at home. Key West, girls basketball at Carleton at 5. Marathon, girls basketball at Nova Southeastern University at 5 p.m. on the 23rd. Coral Shores on the 24th. Girls and boys basketball will be home. Key West, 4 o'clock and 7 o'clock. So really, you know, when we talk about the mar- the marquee matchups this week in Monroe County is definitely going to be the Key West Coral Shores basketball rivalry on the 20th they're playing in key west girls and boys and then on the on let's see the 24th key west is going to coral shores to play there so we know from talking to both the coaches they're going to be ready for this game and we also know that um Coral Shores coming off a big win against Oxbridge. Key West High School's playing good basketball. These are going to be some really good games. I remember last year, Coral Shores went down and got the win against Key West in Key West. So I am sure that there's payback in the air as far as Key West High School goes. They are they do not want to lose again to Coral Shores High School. So I think that's going to be a great matchup on both ends this week. Um, the Key West game. 
is on the 24th at four o'clock and seven o'clock. Now that is Coral Shores uh, playing at home against Key West. Key West is playing against um, Coral Shores earlier in the week. So make sure you guys check out those games. I think that they're going to be fantastic. Uh, on the 26th, Coral Shores girls and boys basketball at Hillel. Marathon on the 26th girls basketball is home against versus uh, Carrollton High School. And Marathon Girls Basketball is doing a really good job this year. Coach Garvey, who we had on the podcast earlier this year, is really doing a great job. And they're really looking forward to the district tournament and moving forward there. Um, On the 27th, Key West High School is at home against Miami Christian at 730. And then on the 27th, Coral Shores and Key West Wrestling at the Colby Singletary Tournament at Palmetto Ridge on the 27th. Coral Shores Girls Basketball will be home against Florida Christian at 5 p.m. So that's what's going on this week in sports. You know, last week I got a lot of feedback about my Miami Dolphin rant. And, you know, let's see how they do this week. I'm recording this Sunday morning prior to them playing against the Jets. So I have my fingers crossed that the Dolphins are going to be able to come through for us today and we move forward. So... Um, with that in mind, everybody have a good week and check out the next segment. Right before the new year, right before Christmas break, we had a great podcast. Part one, Coach Joey Wardlow, Key West High School graduate, Key West High School, 1984, state champion in baseball, University of Tampa uh, baseball player, four-year starter, Hall of Fame member, Um assistant coach at Key West High School for two state championships with coach Enriquez. And now he is currently the head coach at St. Thomas Aquinas. And we had part one of that podcast. And right now we're going to have part two of coach Joey Wardlow. So you, you get through the baseball season and leading up to the baseball season, um, and I know it's 1983, 1984, your junior, senior year. What was the recruitment process for you? You end up at University of Tampa, but but back then, were you Wayne? Did you think you would get drafted? I don't know if you got drafted out of high school. What other schools were talking to you? How did you come about the decision to go to University of Tampa? Well, <laughs> um, I was actually... Uh, in, in plans to go to another school, um, just just say it was a school a little bit further north and they're blue and orange. But um, back then they had a coaching change uh, during my senior year. And I happened to come home from school one day and my dad was sitting in the living room and there was a coach sitting in the living room. His name was Brian Sabian. And we sat down, we had a discussion and, you know, I was you know, back then you, you were on the phone, not emailing and all that kind of stuff. So I was kind of getting a little bit of interest from the new coach there by phone back and forth. And, you know, my dad kind of pointed me in the right direction and said, you know, I understand we're having these phone calls and, and it's great, but this coach is sitting right here in our living room and he wants you in three months to start playing full time as a freshman at the university of Tampa. And it was the best decision I ever made for me. Everybody's decisions are different, but for me, it was the best decision I ever made. Tampa was a small school. Um, when I got there, not much bigger than Key West high school. 
And I actually got a chance to come into the University of Tampa with about nine or 10 other freshmen. So we were kind of starting a platform, a program that was that was okay before we got there. But with all of us there, it all, all of a sudden it became, you know, Rini Martinez was our shortstop and I played second base and we were the only middle infielders for four years. Mm-hmm. So, the, you know, there is nothing like playing next to a guy where you, you literally know, you don't even have to look, you know he's going to be there. And, and it went the same way. So we grew up through the University of Tampa together, having come from all different places, and it, it made us better. And we made two runs at the World Series in college because of that. That 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 kind of stuff's going by the wayside now with all the portals and the oh. transferring and that kind of stuff. Yeah, a hundred percent. I'm a hundred percent behind you on that. Um, it's really a shame to see all of that happen, but I guess that's that's a whole different thing. What was it like? So you graduated in '84. You're in Tampa. You're oh my god, goodness! You're grow up in Key West. You probably you you didn't go across the Calkey Channel Bridge too much unless you were going to play baseball in a tournament. You 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 graduate from high school and you end up in Tampa in the fall of 1984. What kind of shock was that for you? Uh, for the the first issue was. Um, you know, just being away from home, being away from the island wasn't easy. Uh, but Tampa, like I said, Tampa's a small community. And at the time, uh, the people in Tampa, the, the, the people that I met when I got there that lived in Tampa, uh, the parents of the of the players that came into the University of Tampa kind of took us in um, and made us feel at home. Um, and then the other thing was, I had two roommates when I got there my freshman year that were my roommates until I graduated. So four years, we kind of, we kind of worked our way through it. They were all on the baseball team with me. And like I said, we, we were eight or nine guys for four years going to school together, going to eat together, going to practice together. And that helped immensely. And being someone that loves baseball as much as you, how important or how great was it for you to be in that area of Tampa where it seems like everybody has spring training? It seems like the town, especially back then, was built around professional baseball and there's so many baseball people around. I mean, did you take part in that? Did you do a lot of spring training stuff? How did that whole thing operate? Well, you know, Key West is a baseball town. When we got to Tampa, Tampa's a baseball town. And I mean, we had our chances to get out there and do things, but you know, during spring training, we're practicing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and back then, when I went to University of Tampa, we played fifty to sixty games in the fall and in the spring. Wow! So we had our hands full with practice and games and class. You know, and we lived on campus. We pretty much had everything we needed on campus. Um, so it, it be that became our, our little our little place to be. Right. But being in that town all the time, especially when spring training, were there ever any instances where you're around, you're going around in Tampa and you see some of these major league guys and you start to get this idea in your head? Oh, I think I could match up with this guy. I think I could hit this pitcher. Oh, look at him. He doesn't seem so big I mean, because we're I mean, you wanted you were drafted. You had a, a, a long run in the minor leagues. When did you make that? Like, when did that become a reality for you? Like, I'm going to play at the next level. 
Uh, you know what? It was it was more of a learning experience from some of the guys when when we were playing at University of Tampa. We had a large group of guys uh, that would come work out with us at our field. Um, you know, Fred McGriff, Eric Davis. Wow. Um, just you know, just guys all the time. Every once in a while, Sheffield was out there. And we just watched how they went about their business, you know, and them being around and them giving us uh, Steve Henderson was there a lot with us. Mm -hmm. And what they would talk about to us was not as much mechanics of baseball, but how to be aware in baseball, how to how to conduct yourself on the field, you know, how, how to be professional about getting to work and getting your work done. And and the biggest benefit was watching them and just just listening to them because they were giving us advice that, that we couldn't get anywhere else. So seeing those guys, that sort of had to have an impression on you where you're watching them practice, they're living that lifestyle, and then you end up getting drafted. Can you take me back and take me, like, what was that like for you getting drafted? I mean, I know it's not like today where it's all over TV and everything yeah. like that, but that had to be a big moment in your life. Yeah, we were actually... When I got home after my senior year, I had graduated from the University of Tampa. And, you know, I was hoping that, to get a chance, hoping to get a chance to get drafted. And um, back then it was basically the phone in your kitchen where you would get the call. Mm -hmm. And the draft ended, actually. And about two or three days went by and I, I hadn't gotten a phone call. So I didn't really know what was going on. Um, after a couple of days, I got a phone call. Uh, the scout that had drafted me had had a family emergency in the middle of the draft and had to leave. So I had thought the draft had come and gone and I didn't get drafted. Uh, so it, it was a pleasant surprise when he called me, um, you know, let me know that I'd been drafted. And then also let me know that since it was a couple of days, I had about two days to get ready to, end, to fly out to Butte, Montana from okay. the West to start playing. So this time, I'm I'm gonna imagine that Butte, Montana, is not a baseball town. <laughs> you know, well, you'd be surprised. In the <laughs> summer, um, the whole city revolved back then around Butte, Montana, um, because again, small town. Uh, we actually played on the campus of one of the universities there in Butte, and everybody from the college in the summer was gone. So baseball was the thing. Right. I mean, we had great crowds. We had huge crowds. The people were amazing. Uh, you know, and just part of traveling around the minor leagues is not just what you learn playing. It's you, you kind of get to see the United States. You well, know, we're playing in Montana, Canada, Idaho, um, Utah. You know, there's the places I probably would have never been to. Uh, but, you know, I got to see as much of that as I did of baseball. And, you know, luckily, too. Uh, my first manager there was Bump Wills, who had had some time in Major League Baseball. Mm -hmm. So he was pointing us in the right direction. And, you know, it's you, you've got to play baseball. And, it, and it, one of the things about baseball is you just when you play and you get a chance, you just want to play until they make you give the uniform back. I was just happy I got the chance to do that. Well, you start out in Butte, Montana, you know, hitting 339 over 62 games. So coming out of rookie league, you got to feel pretty good about how you're doing there. And my second question is this. You're in Butte, Montana. You tell people you're from Key West. Did anybody know where that was? 
<laughs> not as many as now. Oh yeah. There were a couple. There were a couple. Um so you you play end up playing uh minor league baseball in Port Charlotte, Gastonia, um Albany, Cologne, and Prince William. Is that in Canada, Prince William? Prince William is in Virginia. It's okay. right outside of Washington, DC. Mm-hmm. Um, what was your, what was your overall take on, on, I know you're, you're playing minor league baseball. You're trying to stay in baseball as long as you can. I work with someone that you coach. He's our, he's our trainer at marathon, Lewis Leal. And he said so many, uh, great things about you as a coach, but he also said that you had a bad injury that sort of took you out of baseball. What was that injury coach? Yeah. The beginning of my season in 1989, uh, I was stealing second base against the Phillies. I got hit in the index finger on my throwing hand, my right hand. And, you know, I kind of, kind of ball went in the outfield. I kind of jumped up. I went to third and it was one of those where, you know, I've had, I've had some pains and soreness before, but I've never felt anything like this. So I went to the trainer, um, and just, just like old school, they would do, they taped it to my middle finger and said, go get them. And, <laughs> I went back out there. I played two more games and just, just things weren't right. Uh, so ended up having to go to for an x-ray, ended up having surgery. And I missed about 60, 64, 65 games that season. Um, and then it actually kind of, in a way, like the minor leagues worked out. When I came back, I got about a week of workouts in. I got moved up to Port Charlotte. Uh, and I played the second half of the season there, and we actually won that league in the Florida State League. So it was kind of cool to get a professional championship. So you won with Port Charlotte. You hit 314 that season, so you're hitting the ball pretty well, and you guys win a minor league championship. That had to be a huge deal because you have the state championship and you have a, you know an MLB minor league championship to add to your resume. And, and uh, let me ask you this question. Like playing in all the minor leagues from 88 to 91, from rookie league all the way to double A, what would you say like two or three guys that just blew you away with the talent that you either played with or that you played against? Well, my first season in professional baseball, I was invited to instruction league, which was in Port Charlotte at the end of the regular season. And (laughs) I mean, I show up there and when we start working out, um, Yvonne Rodriguez, Juan Gonzalez, Sammy Sosa <laughs> were three of the guys that were there. <laughs> so and one day, yeah. It was, it was, you could just, you could tell there's a difference. You know that they're destined to be just major league baseball players. I mean, it was, it was, it was just different. Just the things that they did that came natural. Um, you know, some guys, some guys are built to be major league baseball players. Some guys with a bunch of talent work to be major league baseball players they were kind of built they were kind of built to be there from the start um and even and i had seen that before because at the university of tampa our first baseman was tino martinez right you know so from the time he stepped on campus there's just a little bit different air about somebody who's in the big leagues and 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 a lot of that is is they're born with a lot and they work to get to it and, I mean, just those guys kind of stand out. We played that season right up in Sarasota. 
we played the Sarasota White Sox quite a bit. And Frank Thomas was on that team. The big hurt. Yeah. And you could absolutely tell the difference <laughs> that he was further along at that point than, than things were going to be. But there's a lot, of, you know, there's a lot of guys that ended up in the big leagues you play against. And it's not, none of it's unexpected because anybody that's in professional baseball in the minor leagues, you're there because they think sometime you're going to contribute in the big league. Right. And sometimes it works out. And then, like, would you say, Coach, and I have this discussion a lot with a lot of different people in, involved in sports, you know, obviously, even with, like, the Ivan Rodriguez's and, and with the Frank Thomas and, and stuff, there is still a level of luck. You have to be in the right place at the right time. You have to remain injury-free. And sometimes it's just the roll of the dice as to what organization drafts you and, you know, who, what other players are there. What role of, of luck is sometimes involved in making it to professional to the major leagues? Well, a lot of that has to do with, you know, who, who's there in front of you. And, you know, some of those guys go into – to big league spring training and you know when they break for the big leagues and just if just say you're a shortstop and they already have a big league shortstop that guy's going to go to triple a and whoever was in spring training in triple a is going to go to double a and whoever was in double a is going to bump down to a ball that's just the way it is mm-hmm. um or now you know there's a lot more movement between organizations so you know if you're if you're a shortstop in the Yankees organization in the nineties in triple a and Derek Jeter's there, you're probably in triple a for a very long time or you're going somewhere else. And, and that's just how it works. A hundred percent. The, the politics behind the game. So, you know, uh, it's 1991, you're 25 years old. Um, how did you know that it was time to get out of professional baseball? Well, I kind of knew, that the injury that I had affected, it, you know, it was my hands. Mm-hmm. And I had to use my hands for everything, and especially when I threw. You know, it's it's not 100% healed today. You just figure out how to kind of work those things. But there was a there was a time in 1991 when I was in Double A and I was playing second base. I was playing every day, and they called me in and said, "Look, we 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 want to keep you here the rest of this season." Um, but what they actually presented to me was that I would go back to Prince William, which is the high A team and actually kind of be part of the coaching staff. I was kind of a player coach. Uh, most games I coached first base for five or six innings, and then I would play the last three or four innings at a different position. So I kind of knew that not being full time then, you know, was that part of the game. I mean, but the blessing of that was I was getting to learn the coaching side uh, and picking up, just trying to pick up as much knowledge as I could from those guys. And our assistant coach that year, which I was very excited for him this year, uh, was Robbie Thompson, who ended up being Mm -hmm. the manager of the Phillies in the World Series this year. So was that your first inclination that you wanted to get into baseball coaching or was that your plan all the way back to University of Tampa? You know, I wasn't. When I was playing, I wasn't thinking about coaching. Right. I was just thinking about playing. <laughs> um, but just being around the people, you know, coaching me my whole life. My dad coaching me, Coach Fraga, Clayton Sterling, Randy Sterling. You know, just you pick up what they do and you kind of remember what they do. My coaches in college were very supportive. And then 
in pro ball, it's just about the knowledge. You know, you do what you can to try to help. Right now, um, you know, I coach. I I like working with the players. Um, you know, it, and it's actually amazing. You meet a new a new group of kids come into varsity from JV each each year. They each have their different skills, but like for me, the key now is. I'm trying to make sure that those kids get into college somewhere. You know, once they get there, they work their playing time. And as long when they leave my program, my hope for them is that they step onto the college field and their college coaches not only recognize ability, but they know they they know the game and they have some baseball IQ about what's happening on the field. And they don't have to, you know, they're they're ready to step in and play because they've been taught by us. I have a great coaching staff here too that's extremely knowledgeable and we coach baseball and we hope when they leave, they go show people that they know baseball. That's kind of what I picked up in the minor leagues more than anything. Okay. Um, so you get out of the minor leagues. Do you go, um, how does it work then you come back to Key West and you start working at Key West high school then? Actually, I came back to Key West and started working at the property appraiser's office okay. for the county. Okay. Um, and, you know, it, it was interesting because by 1991, and I was 25 years old, I had about 23 years of baseball. <laughs> yeah. And, yeah. And I caught my breath for a little bit. <laughs> and, you know, once you catch your breath for a little bit, you either stop doing it or you realize how much you miss it. So I just missed it and wanted to get back into it. So do you end up uh, coaching at Key West High School and not teaching at first, or did you teach and coach? I, I did both. Uh-huh. I was uh, teaching social studies there and started coaching. I mean, this is this is such a, a local podcast coach. Who hired you? Who was principal then? Bobby Menendez was oh, the principal then. The great Bobby Menendez. I was able to hear him give uh, the football team in Key West some pep talks and get to know him. W- what a great guy. He's the principal. You get hired at Key West High School and uh, you're teaching social studies, history, stuff like that? Uh, yep. I was teaching. Uh, oh, man. Back then, I was think I think I was teaching American history and I believe we had like a civics class. Mm hmm. And so you go, you go right, you go right to coach in baseball was, uh, was coach Enriquez coaching then? Is that who you worked with? Um, who was the head baseball coach then? We had some time there when I first kind of started, I, I kind of got out there, got my feet wet with the JV. Mm-hmm. And then Russ Milliken was coaching. He, uh, moved on to Lake Worth. Um, which is up the road up here. Yeah, that's when uh, uh, Coach Palm Wise County. was Coach Wise coaching too. Coach Wise was coaching. Coach Wise was yeah. involved in coaching. He was coaching some football. He was coaching a bunch of stuff. Coach Wise was kind of always available there for to kind of help out anywhere. And and you're coaching JV there in in ninety one ninety two. And then Coach Enriquez comes in, and you guys end up winning consecutive state titles in 94 and 95. What was that experience like for you on the coaching side? Uh, you know what? we As coaches then, and, you know, being a younger coach, and the work that the players put in back then, you know, day after day, we were kind of thinking, you know what? Are we going to be able to work this hard 
tomorrow or for a week. And every single day that those guys came back, it seemed like they were working harder than the day before. And when they started to sense how good they were, you know, it was, they believed. Once you believe, once you have confidence in what you're capable of, you know, big things happen. And they kind of made those things happen. We won back to back, but the year before that, we were runner up. So we were right there. And a lot of those guys came back with the attitude that, you know, we're not going to do that again. We're, we're going to finish this. And they did. So, you know, looking back um, on those teams, there's, there's a lot of great players. And you guys had uh, J.R. Mounts on that team, and he ends up getting drafted really high in Major League Baseball. And he has also has a football scholarship at University of Miami. How special of an athlete was J.R. Mounts, uh, particularly in baseball? Well, just his ability to do all of those things, I mean, just showed how athletic, you know, how strong and athletic he was uh, in the things he could do. I mean, to this day in high school baseball, I haven't seen many guys from the outfield with the kind of arm he had and the kind of strength and speed he had. Uh, But he was an all-around athlete. And when you have players that are athletes, they can learn things. You know, some people can... Some players kind of learn where they're at, what they're doing, and then you're going to get the best out of them. When you have somebody that is an athlete, they're going to do beyond what the, what the regular capabilities are because their athleticism just takes over. Right. I understand that. So 1995, we're getting closer to the technological age. I mean, the Internet's just starting up. But in 95, you guys were one if not the best team in the country that year, you guys had a lot of press coverage. There was a lot of ink on you on your team. How how did the team respond to that? I mean, obviously they win it, but how did they respond to all of that attention from places all over the United States writing stories about them and and really that 95 team being one of the teams that put the the city of Key West on the map as far as baseball, although there's been many other state championships before that. But the 95 team, some might say, would be the best of them all. Well, I mean, I would sit here and get all my guys together and say 84 was the best team of them all. (laughs) But then I coached those guys in 95. So, uh, you know, that would would create an argument again, like Key West competition, because neither one, neither team's going to back down. And the bad news is we'd all probably say, let's go meet out there tomorrow. And we'll play against you right now. A hundred percent. Now I'm almost 60 and I don't think that'd work out well. That would be but, like, that would be like the but, tomato league all over again. Yeah. You know what though? It'd be fun. Yeah. But, um, what that media attention was interesting because I think a lot of places around the country, that media attention would kind of turn the like teams to a different height because they don't live like we grew up in Key West, even those kids in 90s, 95. I mean, all that media came in and television came in. And as soon as the cameras turned off and went away, they turned around and went back to work. <laughs> right. It wasn't like they were sitting around saying, well, I was on TV. They turned around and said, we got something to prove. Those guys probably couldn't even see it on TV. A lot of the stations, you know what I mean? If they didn't have cable or they're out practicing anyways, you know, they didn't get Channel 7. The antenna wasn't set up right. You know what I mean? They probably didn't see a lot of it and they probably didn't read a lot about it because, you know, when especially back then in in the 80s and 90s in Key West, you know, you might as well be in a different country sometimes. 
Yeah, that that's true. But I mean, again, credit them. E- even if they did, they got down to business, mm-hmm. and that's what it was all about. That's what they learned how to do. And and so you you take those experiences. You got ninety four, ninety five, um, and then a couple years after that, you make the decision to go to uh, Wharton High School, up sort of back in in your stomping grounds of the Tampa area. What was that whole process like for you, Coach? Wharton, the the decision to go to Wharton was a little bit different because um, Wharton wasn't open yet when I took that job. So I got to go up there and design the field, design the dugout, design the batting cages, you know, just put everything together. It was literally completely from scratch. Uh, And for me, it was it was a challenge. I wanted to see what we could put together. I had no idea who the kids were going to be. Um, but you know, eventually we came across some pretty good kids there. We had some pretty good records. Uh, when I opened that school, there were only freshmen and sophomores in the school. We had no juniors and seniors. So we played a varsity schedule with only freshmen and sophomores. And there were a lot of situations where those guys, those guys held their own and did some good stuff. Um, and it was a good experience. Uh, I'm glad, I'm glad that I did it so that I could kind of go out there and, you know, kind of just make something from nothing. Right. I mean, you're, you're, you're obviously, you're not going to get that experience in too many places. And, you know, that had to be a big decision for you to, to leave Key West, although you have already, you had done that before and had success. So it probably came natural to you. How long were you there for? And then what was your next move? Well, (laughs) that, that changed the whole baseball life, personal life. I was there two seasons and then I met who is my wife now, um, who we had met at the University of Tampa and hadn't seen each other, I don't know, in 12 years, 13 years. And it worked. So she was actually an administrator already in high school. So I didn't want her to have to leave her job. So I moved down here to Hollywood and we got married and we've been in Hollywood ever since. So have you been at St. Thomas this whole time? No, I have not. I taught um, I taught at a couple schools in the Archdiocese of Miami, Nativity Catholic School. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I taught at Immaculate Conception oh, yeah. Catholic School. Uh, and then I came over to St. Thomas. During that time, I, I coached a bit, quite a bit at Chaminade Madonna High School. Okay. So you've been been in Broward County, still close enough to come down on the weekends for and... and <laughs> Which is well, well when when baseball allows because baseball's become for us like a like a ten month sport, <laughs> right? Yeah, absolutely. I I understand that, and so that that's the wrap. I mean, where do you see like your career taking you? Do you want to finish your coaching career at, at St. Thomas? Do you? What do you want to do? Well, for the most part, a lot of the move to St. Thomas. Um, was about baseball, but also about my son. Uh, my son didn't play baseball. My son was amazing in track and field. My son was a pole vaulter. Mm-hmm. And the coach at St. Thomas Aquinas is one of the top pole vaulting coaches around. Well, besides I Dave mean, Perkins at Key West High School. Well, Dave's right. been amazing. Mm-hmm. I, I, Dave was there when I was coaching at Key West High School and yeah. teaching at Key West High School. And he's done an amazing job. And we actually, my son competed against Key West at Cardinal Gibbons one year. 
Um, so Dave's stuck and done that there. Dave Shepard, who's the coach uh, that was my coach's son here, did an amazing job with my son. And, you know, my son went through St. Thomas Aquinas. That is a very competitive academic and athletic school. Mm -hmm. I mean, we've got 1,400 athletes in our school. Um, you know, and St. Thomas has been great as far as the program and a challenge. I love the challenge of St. Thomas and the challenge that St. Thomas brings. We have 44 different sports at St. Thomas. And last year, every one of them was deep into the postseason. So our, our athletes, our female athletes, I mean, we're competitive. And like I said, about 10 months, I mean, our kids, they're working in the weight room. They're working on the track. You know, the, and the coaches work together. I got players that that are good runners that I need them to get some form running. The track coaches will take my guys and teach them to form run, and they'll get faster. You know what I mean? So we, it, it's a it's a community at St. Thomas. It's it's a competitive community, um, and it's a great program all around. But my son being able to be there with the academics and the athletics. You know, it was a huge help for him. And then the blessing for us is he's at the University of Tampa now. Oh, the more things change, the more they stay the same. Yeah. And, yep. you know, you're you're at St. Thomas. That has to there is a similarity to Key West in, in, in the fashion of if you're if you're Key West baseball, everybody wants to knock you off. Everybody wants to beat you. When St. Thomas shows up, it doesn't matter the sport. Whatever team you're playing wants nothing more than to say we beat St. Thomas at blank absolutely <laughs> absolutely yeah. you're sort and of like the new york yankees of, of of high school baseball yeah and the the thing is until i got there um you know it you knew about the reputation but it was hard to picture the amount of work and dedication and it you know it 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 spreads to the players there you know, our football team is obviously super successful. They're playing in the state championship tomorrow night, as a matter of fact. For like the 30th and, um, straight year. What's that? I said for like the 30th straight year. I mean, they, they, they <laughs> yeah. live there. Well, they're actually playing tomorrow. Um, chasing history is their postseason slogan because no other team has won four state championships in a row. So they've won three. So tomorrow night, if they can, they can win. Uh, they'll, they'll have won four in a row, wow. which is huge, wow. you know, and it's, it's, and I, and even though I take pride in being at St. Thomas Aquinas, but I love QS high school. I take pride in what they do. And it's like I said, everywhere I go coaching games, people will pull me aside and say, well, talk to us about Key West, man. Mm -hmm. What, how does it keep happening? And I'm like, it's, it's how you grow up in Key West. You get, you get a certain conk determination and a little bit of conk stubbornness uh, that's extremely helpful on the baseball field. Well, that Kong stubbornness took you a long way. It took you to the University <laughs> of Tampa Hall of Fame and, and now coaching at St. Thomas Aquinas and, and who knows what else. But I just want to thank you for coming on the podcast today. And you have any last message for everybody out there listening? Oh, yeah. I mean, I, I, and I appreciate you having me on. It was wonderful. Um, you know, getting into the University of Tampa Hall of Fame, I, I kind of, when you're going through baseball stuff, coaching and playing, you're just kind of working and doing it. And it's, it, it's not about me, but the the honor to be in the University of Tampa for me um, was actually a bit bigger than when I got drafted into professional baseball. 
Mm-hmm. Um, it, it was it was important to me. It was great. About 17 of the players that I played with at University of Tampa showed up that night. You know, my parents was, were there. My son's dorm room was about 50 yards away, which was incredible. Um, my wife, my cousins were there. It, it, that night was it was an amazing, amazing deal. And we kind of joked about that with the, myself and the other five people that got inducted. I'm old enough to be their father. Um, but it was worth the wait. Um, and if there's any message as far as like, uh, how baseball works, I know Key West is always working. Um, and I know those younger kids at Key West look at that stadium the way I used to. And they, they dream one day of being over there playing at Rex Weech field, just to, just to be part of it, man, because it's an amazing thing to play baseball there. Well, one more time, congratulations on the honor and and good luck in this next baseball season. And thanks for coming on. Uh, Thank you very much. I hope to see you when we're down there. Thanks again for listening to the Keys Weekly Sports Wrap with Coach McDonald, the only place to get your Florida Keys prep sports news and history. You could find this podcast every Thursday at keysweekly.com. Please share and like. You could find me on Facebook at Florida Keys and Key West High School Sports History. You could listen to this podcast every Saturday morning at 8 a.m. on AM 1600 WKWF or FM 103.3 WKWF. Thanks for listening to the podcast.